What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. episode 111 of fish across the pond it is a marlins uk podcast i'm your host peter pratt and welcome to awards night fish across the pond awards night 2021 flavor we are back there are gongs galore champagne is flowing here and there are judges absolutely ready to go no doubt about it it's a full uk goat contingent all the boys are here Let's sort, let's say hello. Lee Dobbs in the leadoff spot. How you doing? I'm as good as always. Good man. And the beard to be feared, Sean Barrett is here as well. Sean, how are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. All recovered from this weekend's festivities. Yeah. How many how how bad was the hangover? One to ten. Uh, it was a good, it was a good six and a half. Yeah, okay, good man. He's rounded it down from a seven, so that's impressive. It was it was a lively old day, no doubt. I put mine at a it was a two-dayer. Uh, it was definitely a two-parter, and it was probably at one point an eight. Um, so yeah, it was a good, it was a good session. Anyway, let's keep it rolling. Uh, in the cleanup spot, of course, Rob Newell is in the house. Rob, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Season's over, but the rays are fun. <laughs> there you go. He's moved on quickly from that. So <laughs> there we go. So the UK goats, the full stable is in the house. Judges are ready. But it's awards night and we had to get a special guest judge in. We had to. It's been pumped all over Twitter. You know who it is. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you won't know who it is. So I will introduce him. He's making his debut. 111 episodes in and he is making his debut. This is absolutely shocking scenes. But Kenny is in the house from Takes Were Made. Kenny! How we doing, brother? <laughs> We're doing well, man. The season season ended. The Dolphins suck, so all my teams are just hurting me, and I'm smiling through the pain. But uh, we're we're still we're still chugging along. Absolutely, pain everywhere. It's gone <laughs> to that much pain. The TV's turned on. I, I started shouting that loudly. I think Siri's gone. <laughs> turned on. <laughs> so before we get going on the, the full awards, we're gonna start just to get the creative juices flowing. We're going to start with a one word or one emoji summary of the 2021 season. It's not easy to summarize 162 and everything that went on in between in one word or emoji. But I'm going to ask you guys to get the thesauruses out, dig deep. Lee Dobbs, lead us off. What you got for us, buddy? I went for a balloon and a pin, deflating. <laughs> balloon <laughs> you know, and a pin. <laughs> yeah, you know. After the high of last year, yeah, you know, you know, a real letdown, you know, you know, uh, 20, 20, 21 season. I think that is fair. Your expectations were probably slightly lower than mine on the wins yeah. losses because mine were crazy. But <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, think... I, I was expecting between you know seventy eight to eighty two wins, you know, around there, yeah, hanging around, but we were never in it, you know, at all. So never in it. Know, Bad season. No. From game one, I knew we were cooked. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we were cooked in game one. I knew the bullpen was terrible. 
and uh, that was us cooked. You're right, balloon and pin, and it went pop very early. Yes, um, very not quick. Zach pop, unfortunately. But okay, Sean Barrett, what do you have for us in your one word or emoji summary? I'll, I'll go with um, seesaw. I don't know if that's an emoji, but it's certainly a word. It, it should be. It was an up and down year. You know, we there's some bright sparks that we'll, we've spoken about and we'll continue to talk about. But yeah, as you said, there were some disappointing points as well. And as Lee said, after a playoff appearance last year, a lot of hope coming in. I think I was probably the least hyped out of the four of us. Um, and even my win projection was was way above what we actually ended up with. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in the end, it is a disappointing season. But there are there are as ever things that we can cling on to that will drag us into next year, and will lead you, Peter, to again have the Marlins be the <laughs> division winning ninety win ninety win seasons. Absolutely, mark it down now. Um, 90, <laughs> ninety plus wins, get it booked. <laughs> I'm with you. Okay, so we've got a balloon and a pin. We've got a seesaw. Rob Newell, what do you have for us? I've got that kind of shrug emoji. And, <laughs> and to be honest with you, it's really two words. It's Groundhog Day because if you've been a Marlins fan for a long, long time. We've had many, many seasons like this. And to be honest with you, this is just a, a flip of what it used to be like in the Stanton, Yelich, Azuna outfield days where there we had no pitching and we had awesome bats. Now we have awesome pitching and no bats. And so it, it just feel, feels like every other season that there's been since we moved to Marlins Park, apart from last year. Yep. Seems fair. Kenny, what have you got for us? I'm going to use train wreck. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the reason for that, right, I want you to think of a, a train wreck. When a train wrecks, it starts going first. A train never wrecks in park. And much like the Marlins, they got started, started off slow. There was a point there where we were very entertained with them and then shit just went to hell with injuries, with rats getting launched to the moon, <laughs> with with a, a bunch of stuff. It, it was just a disaster. And much like Rob alluded to it, it's it's true. Like we we have really good pitching, really shitty hitting, but that that same aspect will always like give me a slither of hope going into the next year because having really good pitching is very hard in this league. So unfortunately, my my very 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 peanut sized brain is like already bought into next year. Yeah, we're already in. Are you yeah, going, are you going like you said, wins? mark it down. Ninety wins. Ninety wins, absolutely. <laughs> well, you you've actually, I guess, touched on my one. I think when I think back to the twenty twenty one year, the most used emoji I had was the rocket. Um, but I'm going to pair that with the rat, and I think that kind of sums up our year. When I look back <laughs> in twenty twenty one. For me, that was a defining moment when the rat, the rat was sent to the moon. <laughs> I think it kind of sums it up. There was so much that went on. So many injuries, so many blown roster moves, so many blown saves. I mean, we're what, a couple of days into the offseason? The whole of the strength and conditioning group is out. They're yeah. gone. So that's the first issue. Craig Mishko and injuries, you know, don't matter. Injuries do matter when you have no depth. And we had no depth. And of course, no one could be healthy. No one stayed healthy. And that was the end of our year. Oh boy. That Marte clip will live on. Oh long my God. That, I, 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 what's funny about that clip is when it got, I, I was asleep because I, I take several midday naps a week because of my job. But uh, I, I woke up and all I see is uh, I have Twitter notifications. I have my, my friend Adrian texting me. 
and I go on Twitter and I just see a picture of a, a rat tied to a rocket. And I'm just like, oh, uh, uh, this is probably a very like distasteful clip of a rat on a rocket. And then I see who posted it. And then I'm like, oh, OK, like now I see why everyone's going crazy over this. And then I mean, that, that was just one of those points in the season where you where you look around and you're like, what the hell have we turned into? Like, what is going on? All of this? We're not even worried about baseball anymore at this point. We're just worried about if our players can make it through a season without getting like fired off the, the, the earth. Oh, boy. I mean, what a clip it will be. It will live long in the memory, although it was deleted, I think, from his uh, from his Instagram yeah. very yeah. shortly. And was never mentioned again, I don't believe. I don't think it was ever brought up. Um, Which, personally, I think that's the way they they, 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 they should have handled it. Because I think they make a, a, a huge statement about it. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the league, because that really never became a huge story outside of, like, Marlins Twitter. No. Like, it, it, as much as, like, like, if it was a Yankees player that did that, it probably would have been huge. But luckily, it never really blew up too big, so... <laughs> I think, I think we uh, that's actually a pun I didn't I didn't even mean to say that <laughs> oh boy well with that let's segue into it guys let's get into the meat and potatoes and let's declare this 2021 awards ceremony open in the meantime charge your glasses look at these new sound effects they are they are off the chains you you boys probably can't even hear them but anyway um, let's get into it. There has been a ton of polls. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, if you have notifications on for me, which I hope no one does, but if you do, um, <laughs> you would have been bombarded with Twitter polls a few days ago. And I was coming back from London after 162, hungover, it was time for polls. So I pumped them all up there. Everyone's been voting. We've got all the results lined up. I won't leave the witnesses. You guys may have seen the results. You may not. I won't lead the witnesses. We're going to use it as a, as a discussion and have some fun with it um, and get into it. There's some controversial ones, including, I think, controversy of the year. So that was actually the Mate rocket was included on that list. But um, let's let's start off, I think, on a, a positive side with our first gong of the year. Let's get into let's get into biggest surprise. I think this is always interesting. Like, who's the guy that came out of nowhere that we either a hadn't heard of, which is possible. Um, or just completely took their game to another level, or completely took their game to another level on a negative sense, and were absolutely terrible. So, um, guys, I threw it out there, you know, a couple of names with Anthony Bender, Zach Thompson, Nick Fortes that came late, Um, Jose Devers was another name I threw out there. It's an open floor, guys. You guys can, can suggest who you think. Biggest surprise, good, bad, or ugly, Lee Dobbs, I'll let you take this one, and then we'll all kind of go around the horn and, and work it out. Who have you got for this one? Uh, on a positive sense, it was probably Thompson, I'd guess. You know, we, we didn't really expect too much from him. You know, you have a, you know, you have, he, he filled a role, you know, you know superbly. You know, and even in, in the pen, pen he did, you know, you know, like, you know, like a good job, you know, you know for, like, for like the final weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's Thompson. I, I mean, you could say Rogers as well, you know, because he, he was quite surprising, you know, I mean, you know, like you know, a low to, you know, ERA. But yeah, I'd say on the whole, you know, like, you know, like just based on what we on what we had had seen seen before, uh, it'd be Thompson. Yeah, fair shout, Sean. Any um, contest to that one? Are you happy with Zach Thompson? Uh, I I would have gone with um, Bender personally. Um, I still have up here uh, the beginning of the roster from spring training up on my board here. And I've got some really shocking names. I've got Campbell up here. I've got Holloway and Detweiler and Hoyt. 
all these sort of names that were projected to be in the lineups or at least on the roster of the year. Bender's not even on the page. No. I, I, he came out from nowhere. We literally got him from independent ball. Uh, and and he's been he's been lights out. His stuff is electric. He is, uh, you know, a future late, late inning pitcher for us. Do you think he plays? Uh, that's a good good point. Would you be comfortable if they, you know, you know what Donnie's like. He likes a seven guy. He likes an eight guy. He likes a nine guy. The same ones over and over and over. Are you comfortable with Bender, let's say, in the seven, the seventh inning guy going into next year? You you happy with that? Or are you kind of looking more earlier, you know, middle relief, let's say. But seventh is okay. okay. I think seven's fine. I think, yeah. you know, if realistically we're not going to be bringing in big, big names into the bullpen next year. Ideally, we bring in a, a named closer, you know, mm. a guy that's done the job before, a guy with at least double-digit saves in his career, hopefully triple digits, but we'll see. But yeah, yeah no, I think I think Bender's done enough this year in what was his rookie year. I think he takes that experience and he steps on next year. 100%. Friend of the show, Anthony Bender. Um, I'm with you. Uh, Rob Newell, biggest surprise. Any other names to throw out there? Well, obviously, Thompson was the was the, the biggest one to be able to comfortably take on those starts, comfortably um, and regularly go beyond five, six, sometimes seven innings. Is, is it was amazing considering this is a guy who was struggling over the sort of last couple of years, really, through AAA with a whip sitting about one point four. So, you know, it's a real, real dramatic turnaround for a guy who'd really sort of clo- made himself into a sort of a, a reliever and then actually showed that when the going got tough and we really needed someone could step in. I think the other person I think to talk about is uh, Jesus Sanchez, because it wasn't certain he'd had a, a rough end of last year uh, and didn't look capable. He always looked capable in AAA, but when he's come up this time round, I don't think there's any doubt that he is now our, our right fielder for next year. Um, you know, it, it, yes, he is a he's a power guy, and we do need a power guy. He, the fact he's got an OPS just sitting around 800 is is excellent because no one else is really going to be well. There isn't anybody else sitting around 800, but maybe Jesus Agliar's probably around there. So, yeah, it, it was it was really really uh, good to see him step up. 14 home runs, um, you know, yes, he's always going to get a few strikeouts here and there just because of the nature of what he is. But someone who who we were thinking maybe, maybe not at the start of the year has now yeah. cemented his place uh, in Seems the outfit. So, do you know what? I didn't even realise he got 14 bombs. Like, they just kind of were happening frequently. But at that time of the year, the, the kind of games flick by and you're not maybe watching as closely and... Obviously, he had a cup, at least one Molly home run game, if not two, and you kind of go, "Holy shit, he got a fourteen bombs!" So, okay, um, you know, project that out. I mean, it's you got to be careful with you know August and and September projecting out based on that. But go you know, actually, legitimate thirty home run power there, right? He plays every, most most days. Plays sixty four games, only sixty four games. So you know, in a, in a, an ideal world, it never does happen this way. Injuries and things get in the way, mm. but you could probably. Add another, you know, if he had a full season, you'd add another 90 games on that. Where could he have got to? Um, yeah. There we go. All right. So I guess we're hearing a bit of Bender, a bit of Thompson. I think Jesus Sanchez is a great shout as well. Kenny, where do you sit on this one for biggest surprise? I, I like the the Thompson pick because he he really, he didn't just fill in a role like 
you know, eating innings. Like he did, he excelled in the role. Like he, he was at one point, people were just like, he, he was like having a historic first, like three starts to his career. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at the, the, the stats now of the bullpen and I'm, I, I, you said biggest surprise and it's literally just biggest surprise to me. Like right now, like, I can't believe I'm just noticing how good this guy was. He joined the team on June 29th. And in that time, 34 games, 36 innings, a 2.75 ERA with a 1.03 whip and 40 strikeouts in that time is Stephen O'Kurt. Mm. I that's actually I I am I'm, I'm legitimately surprised by that <laughs> as I'm reading it right now because I I I just didn't know this guy was I thought like oh my god he's just gonna be someone that's gone but those are and he's a a rookie he those are fantastic stats so that. I, uh, if I can just do two surprises, that's my my surprise on the pitching side, mm. and uh, I'm gonna go with. I know this is like maybe maybe like an unpopular pick because he was a, a very highly rated prospect, obviously, but I didn't expect him to start the season uh, on the on the team, and I, that was one of my worst takes of the year. If there was an award for that, that would be it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Jazz as my my surprise of the year. Wow. I thought. Yeah, and, and and here's like my reasoning for it is uh he had never played above double A, and in double A he he struggled he 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 showed the power but he hit I think like two eleven his final year in the minors at double A with a, a sur- like an absurd strikeout rate which he still has in in the major leagues, but I didn't think I, I thought it was going to be a disaster for him to start his career I thought it was going to be one of those things where two months in we were going to be sending him down mm. and bringing up Isan and realize we made a mistake. And that's why it's a surprise to me because I, I I was just it's him being the first offensive prospect of ours to really 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 hit the ground running because before him was Isan Diaz, Lewis Brinson, and 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 even if you want to count Alfaro in that like there, it wasn't really we didn't have that guy that hit the ground running and I didn't expect him to be able to do it. I mean I, we all look back and one of the best moments of the year the, the I, I don't know if that's an award or not no spoilers but Jazz hitting the home run against Degrom like. I, I saw that and I was like, wow, he's here, like, and he's here to stay. And throughout the year, he had his struggles, but he ultimately would bounce back. And I, I find that to be my biggest surprise of the year, personally, because of the way we develop hitting prospects and because of how hard it is to really people underestimate how hard it is to hit in this league and, and to come up and, and after never playing in AAA and having a huge strikeout rate. And, and stealing a shit ton of bases like he did, and 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 he missed some time, and I think he would have easily gone over twenty home runs. He finished the year at eighteen. I think that's that's my biggest surprise because he yeah. he I, I he didn't reach it, but he's a twenty twenty guy his rookie year in my heart. Yeah, I love it. Um, that moment we will get to that moment for sure. The the Degrom bomb that to to me kind of was a huge game, not just for for Jazz but for Trevor too, because it was Trevor against DeGrom that day and, and Trevor pitched out of his mind as well and, and yeah, yeah. Jazz hit a bomb like I've never seen before. 102 gas about 19 inches above the zone second deck. See you later. I think it was, it was like the first recorded home run uh, at, at that uh, 100 miles per hour up in that zone I think that was like the first home run recorded since they've been doing like stat cast like measurements in, in the Major League Baseball. Like that's insane. I don't think DeGrom had ever given up a home run on a pitch over 100 miles per hour. And the fact that Jazz did it is, that's pretty insane. But don't let that overshadow my man, Stephen O'Kurt, who I am just, I'm still baffled by what I'm reading here about this guy. Yeah, so am I. Actually, <laughs> kind of, it's one of those, you, until you kind of look at it in the cold light of day on, you know, on at the end of the year and go, wow, actually, what a, what a great second half. Yeah, well, I guess. Exactly. You know, 
and like Sean said with Bender, like when when you looked at like the 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 presumed like bullpen, Bender really wasn't on it. And the same thing with Kurt wasn't even on the team, like or on the roster. Like we got him, he was called up June 29th. And since then, he was like one of our best relievers. Yeah, no doubt. All right, guys. Well, the fan vote was in. Um, this actually this means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme, but you know, it's uh we'll we'll, we'll see what the fans had to say. And they had uh Bender. Uh, took this one, almost 60% of the vote for Anthony Bender. Um, Zach Thompson, Nick Fortes were both tied at 18%. And uh, Jose Devers that no one else has mentioned. I actually found him, it was a pleasant surprise with him. He should have never been anywhere near the roster, but he came up and he held his own. And that's the surprise for me was the dude was 14 and he was up hitting major league hitters. Uh, Pitchers, sorry, it was was sensational. So um, I love the shouts we've all had. I think I'm going to uh, – I'll probably give this one to Anthony Bender. I think that the fan vote swings it. So our first gong of the year, Anthony Bender takes it. Biggest surprise, but some honourable mentions there to, to many, many guys. Right, guys, let's flip the script there. Sean Barrett, you are leading this one off. And this one is the, the 2021 biggest bust of the year. I, you know, I can see takes. I can see his eyebrows are up. The sultan, <laughs> the sultan of slander, as I'm gonna gonna call it's like him. Walk, it's like walking into a buffet. Like, where do I start? Where do I? Who do I? Who do I start with? He's ready, but Sean, you lead this one off, buddy. Biggest bust. You could go many directions. I could go many directions. You could, you could. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, you could say East and you could say Burnson, but realistically, my expectations for for both of them were quite low this year, uh, through no fault of his own, maybe. But I'm gonna go BA. He was, you know, we spent all of last year saying pay BA. He was supposed to be our number one hitter. He was supposed to be the middle of the lineup guy. And, you know, he's been injured. I get it. But even when he was playing, it was, you know, below par for him. Um, And I think, you know, how much trust do we have for him next year? Hopefully he bounces back. Um, But, yeah, that's that's where I am. It's, It's BA for me. Yep. Fair start. Rob Newell, how are you seeing this one? Anthony Bass, for me. This guy was supposed to be our closer. And I, I don't even want to dare look at his stats more than anything else. But it, it was, it, we've actually, this is one of the rare occasions we've actually signed someone to a two-year contract yeah. on, the, on the basis that we had someone there who would be our closer, a consistent uh, reliever who would be there for high pressure situations. Remember, we declined the option on Kinsler on the basis that we, you know, we thought we had something better. But for somebody who, in all high pressured situations, when the, when it was really on the line, never, ever, ever performed. And uh, all that kind of nonsense about oh look how great he is in the seventh inning and he's got the lowest DRA and the rest of it just it just doesn't wash. Um, if you've signed someone to a contract, the very rare occasions that the Marlins have done, you really want this guy to perform. And he just simply didn't. If you think about it, um, what should we be now be saying? Uh, you'd have thought you'd be staying out at the start of the season. He's got 20 saves. At least. You know, I mean, you, uh, would, you would have expected 15 to 20 saves at least. And uh, and it, it's, there's nothing there. I, I just... I just I find it odd that uh, that he just. I think the thing was he said he had a few saves, the, you know, the year before, and I, I think they just thought that this guy was was 
was now the real deal because he'd just been sort of brought up in in that kind of way in his past that we thought oh he's got a few clothes he's got a few saves he's been a closer he's got that experience he's the next guy to kick on they obviously saw something in his mechanics uh, uh that they really really liked but he just it was just nothing there and that really really caused havoc for the team all season because we never really had a closer ever until Floro stepped up at the end like I can't remember how his saves Floro got it was about 15 or 16 15. in the end um, which was really good. And he's, he really got in a great rhythm. But, you know, it's as uh, uh, soon as Yimmy had gone, well, Yimmy stepped in, didn't he? But when Yimmy was gone, there was no one there and it took a while for Flora to go. And we're still not in that situation for next year. We're, we're going to have Bass, who we're just carrying, but for what? So it, he's the disappointment because he should have been the, the proper closer. Kenny, over to you. I'm not leading the witness, so take it away. Oh my God. Uh, I, it's, it's never a good look when the guy you bring in to, to be your, your closer in a year where you, according to the front office, they're expecting to make the playoffs. It's never a good, uh, good thing when the guy you bring in to close out games for you finishes with zero saves. I'm not an expert. I don't, I don't do saber metrics, but I don't know if zero saves is good or not for a closer. I'm just going to go ahead and say no. So R- Robert was spot on with that one. I mean, Oh my god! I don't want I don't want to tail off on a on a bass tangent because it, it'll it'll just be the Anthony Bass slander show for fucking three hours, because I and I'm about to do it. But I think it's a, more like the front office's fault that for expecting him to be a closer and trying to replicate that magic they had with Kinsler, just going with a younger form of him and Anthony Bass. Mm. But we're not going to do that. I also like Sean's pick of Brian Anderson. I wrote I, every year I do a preview blog and I had him as my breakout candidate of the year and more egg on my face. Surely enough, he sucked this year. So my biggest disappointment of the year off the top of my head, Jorge Alfaro. And uh, again, it's another one of those picks where it's kind of like the jazz pick where I have to kind of explain myself because Jorge Alfaro doesn't have much of like a a career to, for me to say like, well, I mean, he's always kind of been mediocre. What were you expecting? But it's disappointing. The fact where last year it was a weird year for him missed time, you know, got like benched in the playoffs and, you know, you hear all this stuff about him in the offseason, working on framing, working on his defense, working on the game management, which was the biggest thing with him. I actually thought he kind of improved in calling games this year, except for maybe calls in, in certain parts. But but the offense just never, never, never came around. I don't I, I you can give that guy an or and he couldn't hit a, a slider that I, he's just swinging at anything. He's even when he makes contact for a guy that looks like a Colombian like Terminator. I expect you to hit like 30 home runs a year and he's here hitting like four home runs a year and slapping like little piss ground balls through the hole in second and first. So I expected him to have a better year. I expected him to at least cement himself as like a backup going into next year. And he just didn't do that either. Like it's looking like he's going to be gone and it's the right move to do, but that's, that's my biggest disappointment because I, I don't think he's the bigger disappointment than the two guys they named. Because Anthony Bass is just a, a color. They need to build a. If there was a, a stadium of disappointments, he would have a statue outside. Like he was, he was just horrendous. Uh, Lee Dobbs, Lee. <laughs> Let's just quickly pick up on this one. Alfaro, uh, he goes into ARB uh, this year, I think. I think it's his first year in ARB. Uh, is he tendered? Is he tendered or non-tendered? Does he get offered anything, or do the Marlins pull the plug and non-tender uh... him and say goodbye? I think they might tender him and, and see if they can get get something for him. 
I mean, starting, that, starting left fielder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there probably is a, is a club somewhere who, who might take him, but I mean, we probably won't get much for him now. But I, I can see them tendering him still. Yeah. It's still going to be cheap, isn't it? I mean, there's no yeah. production to speak of. So even though it's year one of ARB, still negligible, I guess, in the grand scheme. But cheap anyway, enough, yeah. um, what's, 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 your, what's your biggest bust of the year, buddy? Uh, BA was a huge you know, letdown because, again, you know, I, I was one of the ones who, who said he should hit 30, you know, 30 home runs, you know, uh, 90 RBIs and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, and he, he, he just never got going. You know, injuries, he came back and, and was injured again, you know, came back and then, then finally was, was, was done, done for the year. But, you know, I, you know as they, they said, even when he was playing, he wasn't great. So, so BA in terms of disappointing, I think is, is you know would, would be the pick. But in terms of, of an actual bust, you know, yeah, you know, like for what we we went out and got, mm. it's bass. You know, such mm. a, I mean, you know, straight straight away that that, that first game, you know, you know, you know, we knew we knew he didn't have it. Meatballs were you know like you know were being thrown. They were. And I mean, outside of of closing situations, though, yeah, 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 he was good. But mm. you know, you know. We didn't sign. We didn't sign him. Sign him for that. We, no, we didn't. And the reality is, he's, you know, it's committed contract into next year. And what I hope happens is, listen, Bassman, you you take a seat when it's low leverage spots. Yeah. Come out and do your thing. When it's high leverage spots, we've got that lockdown elsewhere. And I hope that's the way it goes. You you're completely right. I think Ethan Budowski was on the show a few months back, and and I think he called this stat out. Some sort of like it's basically like a measure of leverage pens is I think the stat I can't remember specifically what it was and he said the yeah. Marlins are dead last by an absolute country mile the pen when the heat is on is it shits the bed every time over and over and over and that some you yeah know, they were they were they were using that stat because uh, I remember having like an argument with someone on Twitter about it not an argument a civil discussion yeah. but uh, they were they, we, they were talking about how the bullpen wasn't the problem for like our losses in one run games or anything like that. And I, I wasn't suggesting it was the problem, but it was part of the problem. You can't just let them get away with it. And they they yeah. were using like the ERA of the bullpen. And I was like, yeah, but you look at the, the clutch stats, which is like the, the final eight or nine, the eighth and ninth inning, I think, where like within a run or two, and they were just negative, like negative. I had never, there were, I think they were the only team in baseball with like a negative, like whatever the stat is. And yeah. I was like, they are hurting the team in these situations. So, I mean, there, there's no doubt that the bullpen, and that first half of the year had a play in why we were losing these one-run games. Mm-hmm. Completely with you. And uh, I think so. We've, we've got a decent run of bass there, no doubt. Alfaro, I think, is fair. And I think BA. Um, the the people have also spoken this one. And Anthony Bass uh, is a majority again on this one. Uh, what was the – let's have a look. 53% of the vote for Bassman. 31% for BA. So, actually, you know, I think we kind of hit on uh, – Dickerson had 12%. I mean, I only put four four names down, right? And I put Paul Campbell down as well. I'm not sure that's fair to call him a bust as a Rule Five dude, but anyway, we're getting to look the- at that. Anthony, Anthony Bass more fish across the pond wins than saves in in the year. There you go. Look at that. He, he won more awards on this show than he did saves in in, in the year. There, there's your premier signing out of the bullpen. <laughs> Get that hype video and stick it up your ass. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Right then, so we've had. Most improved, we've had biggest bust. Let's kind of 
segue across a bit and have another, I think, interesting topic for us to get into. Trade of the year. Oh boy, there was, we had to be active at the deadline. There was too many expiring deals, so we knew it was going to be, it was going to be big. So let's, let's get into it. Trade of the year. Uh, Rob, you get first dibs on this one. Uh, there was a ton of trades, obviously, Yimmy for De La Cruz, the Marte Lozado, Duval, Alex Jackson, uh, Dickerson, Simba for Panic and Cash, I think, or however that played out. Uh, you also had Peyton Henry for Curtis. There may have been one or two others, but I think those are the headliners I can think of. So trade of the year. I, I don't know what lens you look through, and I won't lead the witness, so you take it away. Uh, Lozado. Um, I know that the, the price in theory was high and Marte had a, a sparkling end to the season, but you got to, he didn't accept a contract with the Marlins. We did try and, and give him a sort of a, a contract extension to hold on to him. He declined it. And what we were left with was somebody who was a real, real project. It was going to swing one way or the other. And it was interesting when Lozado's pitch in the first couple of games, we obviously gave him quite a lot of slack even though he was being hit around quite a bit. But you could see that that, that guy has a, a real good making to be a, you know, a, a, a third in the, in the rotation, fourth in the rotation type guy. Um, really good tools all the way through. You know how much uh, we, we wax lyrical week on week about how good, uh, you know, Lopez and, and Alcantara are in, and, and Rogers in regards to their range of pitches. So you don't know what's coming next. Is it going to be a slider? You know, is it going to be the fastball? Is it going to be what? And, it, and how they, they managed to be so accurate, low walks, bamboozling. Well, Lozardo can do all that, but with a lot of walks. So if you can just calm things down and try and get his mechanics right, then this guy could be excellent. And I just think that last game against the Phillies really, really showed that. 11 strikeouts. You've got to be good to do that. Really was. And didn't he look fantastic? Didn't he look like the real, real deal in that game? And um, yeah, uh, the other thing about that, no walks either. So have they, is that magic that, that, that Nils Stoudemire Jr. Has, has, has done with the others? Is, has he now got that magic in Lazardo? If he has, we've got a, a fantastic rotation piece. You know, we've been worried about, you know, what's kind of happening with the rotation next year, what's happening with Sanchez and all the rest of it. But it doesn't matter because we, we've got this guy. It was a great trade. I know we all would love to have Martin there. And the, he was such a fantastic player, entertaining, great. We couldn't hold on to him. So to get that kind of value, fantastic. Yep. Kenny, where are you sitting on this one? And I like I like your your pick, Robert, because I do think it was of all the trades the, the Marlins made, it was obviously not using the results because De La Cruz was a, a star, but the best value overall that the Marlins got in, in any trade was that one. Because as as great as De La Cruz was, he wasn't like a highly ranked prospect. And and for the Astros, it was like a no-brainer to trade for Yimi, who had success as a closer. And De La Cruz, they just didn't have anywhere to put him in their outfield with how he was doing in AAA. So I do think that trade, they got the best value in. The obvious answer here for me to take is, is De La Cruz, right? That, that's, that's what my mind's telling me. And I'm going to let everyone down and take something else. <laughs> I'm going to take, and I know this is, everyone's like going to be upset with me. And it's the most boring trade. I remember reading the, I, I woke up. 
read the notification of the trade and locked my phone and went back to bed. That's how boring it was at the time. But it opened the door for 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 Jeezy. I'm going to go with the Corey Dickerson trade oh, wow. for Joe Panic. I know. Without that trade and, and, and then it, like the injury that happened and opening up the roster spot, I, I, I thought Jesus Sanchez was a better Corey D- than Corey Dickerson when the season started, and Jesus Sanchez wasn't playing because of that. And then they, they just cut ties with it. And, and that's what I loved about it. It opened the door for Jesus Sanchez. And and I, I had been wanting to see Jesus Sanchez get another shot for, for a while because we were a lot of the fan base kind of moved on from him after just like a poor showing of like 15 games or something like that. Uh, so that's that's my favorite trade. I'm not going to go too crazy about it. I, how crazy can you go about a Corey Dickerson for Joe Panic trade? They're both the most boring. <laughs> if you rank the most boring players in Major League Baseball right now, I'm sure one and two would be Corey Dickerson and Joe Panic. But it opened the door for my king, Jesus Sanchez. It's up there, no doubt. It, it's funny because both those dudes, um, uh, Dickerson and uh, Simba, actually uh, kind of were, were part of the run that the Blue Jays went on. So all the Blue Jays fans are going, holy shit, we absolutely fleeced the Marlins here. You know, we, we took yep. them to the cleaners, which is kind of true if you look at it on face value. And I think the point you're making is it was something we had to do because we wanted to open up a spot. I'm, 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 I look, I, obviously, like, I want to get all sappy, but you know, Corey Dickerson did go through a lot during his time in Miami. He obviously suffered like some like deaths in the family and stuff like that. And, and obviously, he just wasn't himself here. Like, uh, there, there's no doubt about it. And as much as I slander players and I make fun of people and, and all that, but I, like, I, I truly, I, I was happy to see him go somewhere, get healthy, and produce for a team that was competing. So, all the best to Corey Dickerson. Yeah. But, uh, it opened the door for my milk dud. It opened the door for, for Jeezy. That's all I could ask for. 100%. And best wishes as well to um, the, my, one of my favorite Twitter accounts as well, knocking around, um, the Adam Simba fan club Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> one of the wildest. When, when, the, when the trade happened, he gave like an official statement. Like if he was Adam Simba, he, he was like, well, Marlins fans, it was fun rooting for you. And I was like, wow, he's really dedicated to the Simba fan club thing. What a stud. <laughs> Absolutely love that. All right, Lee Dobbs, where are you leaning on this one? Uh... Probably in terms of value, it is the like you know, yeah, the Marte one because you know in the in the future that that probably probably helps us the best. But in, in I think in terms of the results we saw, then it was Dela Cruz, you know, you know that that August run, you know, like you know, into September, you know, you know, you know, you know was hitting bombs. You no, know, his average was up to like you know three sixty, three seventy for for a while. You know, such a surprise and. You know, right? Probably isn't going to start next year. You know, maybe, but he should be be the fourth out outfielder. You know, at worst. So, so we feel we we found a spot there. You know, you know, which is an up, you know, a big upgrade on Brinson being being the fourth out outfielder. So yeah, yeah. For me, in terms of just what we saw on the field, it was a Dela Cruz. Yeah, I think this is this is funny. I think this is probably close. Like Dela Cruz, I think we look at and go fourth outfielder at worst. If he's your fourth outfielder, then the outfield we've had a good off season. I think is the way yeah. I look at it. And yeah. I think we spoke about it maybe last week, Sean, if I recall, where we kind of said the problem we've had this year is our backup guys just can't hit. That's the problem. When you take them out of the lineup, no one can hit. And the thing is with Dela Cruz, he can hit. Like he can clearly hit, and and so it's an upgrade for us. So absolutely, Sean. I'll let you round up on this one. 
Um, before you give your view, uh, I just want to ask you this question now straight up. Who of De La Cruz and Lozado next year has the highest war in the year? I have no idea what war means, but you do. And I'll let you take a stab. Which one of those two has the highest war in 22? Realistically, I think it's going to be Lozado. Uh, I think I'm going to even it up and say that that was the leading trade uh, for this year. De La Cruz, don't get me wrong, um, results this year. Yeah, he's, he's been the instant impact bat. But all the underlying numbers just scream regression to me. And I think he... I think he is going to be a fourth outfielder at best. Uh, but as you said, we've struggled all year with depth. And I think having having guys like that, is, is there's no shame in that. If you look at, we came into this season saying Sierra, we know what he is. He's a light-hitting, defensive first guy. Um, and we need guys like that. He hit like below his weight. Um, and he's not a very big dude. So... <laughs> you know your fourth outfielder needs to be a, a major league bat and and we didn't have that this year so I think absolutely he is going to be valuable for us but Lozardo for me has number three potential mm. and I think it's not you're not progressing too far to say that I think the stuff's there if we can keep the control a little bit better you know four walk per nine and a nine K per nine that that plays uh, in the majors. So I think realistically that is the number one trade. And the interesting thing was, uh, we all speak about Marte and losing Marte. We knew he wasn't signing. We know he's not going to sign with the A's where he went. And the A's ended up nine games under 500. Mm. So, and, and he was outstanding. No fault of Marte. Marte's numbers with Oakland were just astronomical, uh, even better than they were with us. So for us to get, Lazardo for Marte, which they got nothing, basically got nothing for. There was no benefit for them having Marte. Yeah. They were nine games, you know, out, out of it. So if they didn't have him, they would have been 12 games out of it. You know, we've basically got Lazardo for free. Yeah. I mean, that was the move, right? The Marlins were out of it. We weren't going to sign Marte at that moment. Uh, we still can. I mean, he's a, he's going to be a. You know, we we knew sending him to Oakland that he wouldn't be re-signed for sure. So we knew we'd hit the market. Nothing stopping us going to sign him now if we want. I I've I've I, I look. I don't have sources. I don't pretend to have sources. You do have sources. I know you do. I I I I I got like weird messages. That's all I was saying. I don't get. I I'm not texting Kim Ang. I can promise you that. Yeah. But uh, I I've heard like that there there, there could like they will speak to him this offseason at the very least like there's no doubt that the Marlins have a position in need with him that he would realistically fill we know this it's I don't I don't think it happens I don't think he signs here but I do think they will reach out to him and they will speak to him and for and look Lozardo's gonna be good I really think if, if they can like re-sign Stoudemire renew his contract which I think that's priority number one first thing they should do you know, all it is with Lozardo is just the repeatability of his mechanics and, and getting those locked down. And I still think he's going to be fantastic. I, I really do. Okay, well, the fan vote is in. Uh, in last place, with 1% or less than of the vote, it was the Dickerson panic one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the 1%. <laughs> I think it was you. You were the only vote. Uh, we didn't mention this one, but 5% of the vote had Duval and Alex Jackson, uh, which was, um, on the face of it, again, another rancid trade. 
Um, terrible. Yeah. That was real. Uh, something went wrong with that one, and the Marlins did some sort of panic move. Uh, I think is is kind of where that one landed. Um, Marte Felizardo, twenty two percent, and the clear winner, landslide Yimmy for Dela Cruz, seventy two percent of the vote. Um, a lot of people, a lot of the Marlins fans, we love a bit of Dela Cruz. Um, here's the question: I will come back to you, Sean, because you were just talking about Lozado in some depth then. But just to follow up on him, could they flip him? Could they flip him this offseason as part of a deal? He's, you know, still young, controllable dude. Eleven Ks to finish the year. Could they? They they absolutely could, and I think we even discussed that to a certain point. Um, even when he was scuffling, that last start, I think, is a real. Uh, it's a real sort of target to say this is in him. You know, this guy can do this. He reminds me a little bit of a guy like Vince Velasquez for the Phillies. Like he'll he has two areas. He'll either go two innings and give up seven runs and five walks, or he's going to go seven innings, ten Ks. There's no middle ground for him. He's either on or he's off. Yeah, and I think. I think realistically, you know, that last start shows you what he can be when he's on. Now he needs to try and find a middle ground and hopefully that's what they try and do in the off season. But yeah, I think there's absolutely talent there and there are many, many, all, all teams apart from us are looking for pitching going into next year. No doubt. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a seller's market. Um, so yeah, why not see what, what's on the table for him? Yep. All right. Well, let's. Uh, so I think by the fan vote again, that we'll probably land on DLC for Yimmy. But I think that's a real close one. I, I, my personally, I feel like Lazardo is the best player that's come back as part of that, or is, is potentially has the best value to move on if indeed we decide to. I, I do think that's an intriguing option. I don't think they will because, in reality, he fits the profile for the Marlins, i.e., league minimum <laughs> and highly talented. Um, you'd probably move on someone that's into ARB first to save some more money. But anyway, let's go with uh, the fans, De La Cruz. Let's keep it rolling. I think it's round to you, Kenny, now to lead off on this one. Let's let's get into the pitches then. Let's get into the one of the, the main awards from, from Fish Across the Pond Awards 21. It's ARM of the year. Who is the ARM of the year? Any ARM. We know there's been some standouts, but where does it where where do you sit on this one? Anthony Bass. No, I'm joking. Uh, um, I'm gonna. I, I've gotten like cute with my last two answers, and I've kind of taken a, a, a weird approach to it. But with this one, I'm just gonna go like straight to the point because he's my my favorite player on the Marlins right now, and I think he's the the closest thing to to Jose Fernandez we've had in a very long time, in terms of like someone that can really elevate this this team to the next level. Uh, it's it's Sandy Alcantara. Like it's and it's a it's a no brainer to me. Trevor Rogers is fantastic, obviously, like one of the best young pitchers in the game. Yep. But Sandy, it, it's one of those things where it's like watching him pitch was like an out of body experience for me. Like it's like I was it's, every inning would just go by and it was just like it was it, it was like watching a robot. It was just like strike, strike, strike out of the inning, double play. And it was just nonstop outside of what two starts. I think the Dodgers and I'm not Rocky, sure what the Rockies. other one was. There you go. The Rockies. He was caused. Yeah, that, 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 fuck the Rockies. But uh, it was just nonstop. It was just every time you you saw it, you were like waiting for him to get derailed. You were like, it can't be true that this guy's just this good. And he was every single time. It was seven innings, eight innings, nine innings, nine innings, eight innings, seven innings, eight innings, nine innings. 
And it, it's just like, you're just watching this and you're like, this guy's only like 25 years old or 26 years old. I think I, I'm not sure, but uh, it, it's, it's a, a 200 innings. He set the goal for himself before the season. Obviously Pablo Lopez did too. It sucks that he wasn't able to reach it, but uh, he, he reached 200. He reached over 200 strikeouts. And I, I, I it's like I said, I just keep waiting for it to happen. I'm like, it's going to blow up and he's just going to have a string of like six bad starts. Never happens. Ever happens. It's like, it's, it really is like Jose Fernandez. It's like the old Dontrell Willis. It's like Josh Johnson. Sandy Alcantara is in that same breath with those guys. Every fifth day, you're going to get Sandy out there for seven to nine innings. He's going to keep it to two to one runs and you're going to have a chance to win. And, and, and he deserves that. Like he, he to me, he's, he's no doubt my, uh, my pitcher of the year. And he's 26 years old, by the way, I, I stumbled across that. He, he just turned 26 a month ago. Exactly. So he was 25 when he was throwing gas earlier in the year, no doubt. Yeah. So listen, extension talks are heating up five years, 50 million, that range. You just give him a pen and say, oh put it there. I, I think he, I, I saw uh, Santatella from the Rockies sign that deal and Sandy Alcantara's miles ahead of him, you know, but like, like the Rockies deal in their own little world of shitty contracts mm. and not knowing how to run a baseball team. So you can't really use them as a gauge, mm. but it, it, he, I, I think he's going to get like a, I, I'm not good with contracts until I do more research with it, but off the top of my head, it's going to be 12 to 14 million AAV. And I think he deserves it. I, I'm hoping it's like a four to five year deal. You know, and, and I think that would be appeasing to him, too, because, you know, he'd be hitting a free agency at around 30 years old. And I think he could still realistically get another really good contract at that age. When you're looking at guys like like uh, Max Scherzer, the, the crackhead who's out here getting deals and, and still competing, you know. So I, I think Sandy's going to be around for a very, very long time. And uh, I hope it's with the Marlins forever. I hope I, I, I just love this guy. I love him. I love him. my horse cock days. Percent the horse cock, no doubt about it. Lee Dobbs, is it horse cock for you as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> oh my god, ask you that in a, in a different way. <laughs> the first time I typed that phrase out was in that yeah. same preview vlog when I would I, not vlog, but blog when I said that Brian Anderson would be my breakout candidate, and the only one I got right was. When I think I said Sandy Alcantara was going to be my MVP of the team. That's, I think that's the only one I got right. And I called him my horse cock days. Is he the arm of the year for you then, Lee? Sandy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you, know, you, know, you know, we've gone from uh, pay, pay BA to pay, you know, you know SA. Yes. Pay you know, anyone. You know, yeah, yeah, pay anyone. You know, <laughs> you know, as Kenny said, you know, it, you know it, it's 200 innings, it's 200 Ks. You know, it, it's just every night. You know, like you know, like you're saying, you know, six innings though at worst, and you know, and and he always come comes back from from a bad start. You know, yeah. you know, you, you get some some pitchers who have a bad bad game, and then it rolls on for like two or three starts. But but not with Sandy. You know, it's one bad you know, you know one bad start, and then the next you know like the next one he's going nine. Mm. So I mean, obviously Trevor, you know. Is in the mix, but I can't see how it can't be Sandy. Fair shout. Sean Barrett, I feel this may be brief uh, from you. However, let me just pose this question and I'll and maybe let Rob dwell on it as well um, when we get around to him. If you think of just the first half, 
who was the better who was the better dude in the first half? I'm not just talking Trevor. Pablo was in the mix too. The three of them, I think actually Pablo in the first half was the best of all three. But that's with no stats in front of me. He just seemed to keep pitching on a Sunday and got no run support. So Pablo in the first half was what Sandy became in the second half. But anyway, Sean, how are you seeing this one? Arm of the year. Is it the horsecock? <laughs> Horsecock swirl. It's Sandy. It's there's no point expounding on it. It's Sandy. Trevor yeah. was fantastic. You know, 130 innings in his rookie year, couple of rookie of the month. Um, he tied in the in the you know the second half. And he, I think 130 innings is ideal. We don't want to go any more than that in this rookie year. Pablo scuffled with innings, you know, a bit of health here and there. Uh, just over 100 innings, not really where he wanted to be, but his actual numbers are fantastic. You double that up and take that into a full season, we are talking about, you know, Sandy-like numbers as well. You know, more strikes, uh, slightly more walks, actually. Um, but no, it's Sandy, 200 innings, um, absolute ace performance throughout the year. And as Kenny said, you know, when you throw a guy out and he, you know you're getting seven plus innings every five days, you can almost there were there were times when I remember we just had a really shitty bullpen day where a guy had just absolutely shit the bed and everyone's busted, and then Sandy comes out and throws eight innings and you're like, boom, done, sorted. He's actually just yeah, in one day he's fixed the whole bullpen. He's a, he's a manager's dream with that. <laughs> And, and every, you know, it, how many times have we watched a game where, you know, he's just, he's absolutely flying and then there's a guy gets on base and you're like, oh, is this where it starts to wobble? Double play, gone, get out of it. Mm. Like there was so many inning ending double plays from Sandy this year. And when you're watching a game, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that you're just like, right, that's perfect. Now let's get a run in the next inning. That run never happened. But Sandy is by and far the best player on our roster right now. Um, and yeah, arm of the year, easy. Big statement. Rob Newell, is it a full house? It is a full house because um, the, the, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the 200, 200, isn't it? It's the, it, he got over 200 innings, he got over 200 strikeouts. It's just phenomenal. We were talking about this at the start of the season. That's the kind of thing that we were hoping for. We were worried about injuries, etc. Could somebody do that? And it's fantastic that he's one of the very, very few Marlins uh, to, to actually get there. And it's been a long time since we've had anybody go over, uh, over 200 innings pitch and, 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 and 200 strikeouts. Um, the other good thing about Sandy is it was 23 quality starts out of 33 starts, which is just incredible. Mm -hmm. So it was one, it got to the position where it's like, I was a Sandy game, right? Okay. He's pitching. So I might, you know, it doesn't matter if I go and, you know, go and make myself a drink or make myself something to eat in one of his innings. I know I'll come back and they haven't conceded any runs. Yeah. It got that comfortable at the start. It was, it was incredible. A piss break, wasn't it? You, you know, you'd be able to go <laughs> confidently. You wouldn't miss anything. Yeah. Now, just to answer the other question, you were saying who had the best first half of the season? Yeah. Okay, so here we go. So we'll go with Sandy. The first half, uh, we are looking at... I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll just do... Uh, we'll do ERAs because obviously there's different, you know, Pablo's injury and et cetera. So the, the ERA was uh, 3.09 in the first half for Sandy. Mm -hmm. um, 
for Pablo, it was 3.03. Oh, Pablito! What about right. Trevor? Trevor, 2.31. <laughs> Fucking hell. So how, does, does that throw the cat amongst the pigeons? It, 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 that's, that's where it was. Trevor was just so on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he didn't have so many of the quality starts. Trevor was susceptible to more walks. Um, but Trevor did go the distance a few times. Unfortunately, what warps Sandy... Uh, Sandy's uh, end-of-year stats are amazing. But it's those those two blow-ups that really caused him, him major, major problems with his stats. And that's what warps it slightly. Um, but, uh, yeah, if that's the case, all three of them, because we remember we were really, really hot on, you know, you know, Trevor for the All-Star. It, it was, it was, we, we, at that point, he was considered to be the main guy above Alcantara and above Lopez, but mainly because Lopez's injury uh, caught, you know, uh, I don't come remember how many innings uh, Pablo managed to pitch before, uh, uh, sorry, games. It was 19 games. Um, so yeah, so it, uh, the answer to that is in the first half it was Trevor, um, yeah, but, but overall it's Sandy. He was the all star though, I guess, and you know, yeah. deservedly so. The thing was, as we all said, it, it was that one, two blow ups, uh, for Sandy. The thing, the thing, the difference is with those dudes though, Trevor was sensational, but you never got the length out of Trevor, you never did. You, you, you know, five six was his kind of like landing spot, seemingly, where Sandy was seven, eight, and maybe nine if he just fancied it. And I think that was the difference. The efficiency, yeah, but he had a longer leash, clearly. Like Trevor, they were managing him as well, but he was sensational, but they pulled him early. With Sandy, it was like, oh, we're going into the ninth inning um, or extras or whatever it was. That game he pitched into extras, was it in the, against the Cardinals? Was that right? I don't know. They just, they just left him out there, just said, Sandy, just keep going. Um, but... Hey, interesting stats. We, you know, Lee, you you phrased it early doors when I think we got three aces, and yeah, <laughs> I don't think you were wrong. I don't think you were. So the 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 fan vote on this one, it's the biggest landslide of any of the polls, other than the Twitter personality of the year, and we'll get to that one later, no doubt about it. Uh, but the biggest landslide: eighty six percent of the vote for Sandy, eleven for for Trevor, one percent for Pablo. And 2% for Bass, you naughty bastards. <laughs> With the Bass man. So um, there you go. Arm of the year. That was a full house. And deservedly so. Right, guys. Let's, let's get into game of the year. Moment of the year. Game of the year. However you want to phrase it. There's tons of ways you can go about it. I'll just throw some out there that I put on the poll. Feel free to go any other direction. But just to set the scene in terms of what I threw out there. Um, we already had the, the one that Kenny mentioned, which was the Jazz bomb against DeGrom. Um, I also had the, the multi-home run game for Brinson in peak Brinsanity against uh, the Padres in a UK-friendly game as well. The double oppo with the boppos, Jesus Sanchez, when I was a lunatic in the gardens, if you recall that one. <laughs> and um, there was one other... Hold on, I've lost the... Oh, hold on, I've lost the other one. Anyway, those were at least three of them. So, <laughs> um, Lee, it's back around to you. So you you kick this one off. Um, game of the year, moment of the year. Uh, I mean, I've got two different. The moment of the year is that that Jazz home run. You know, we, we mentioned earlier. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like off the Grom, 
you know, against the Mets. That that was, I think, the moment. I think in terms of the game that I actually enjoyed the most was it, I think it was against the Cubs when we scored like eleven runs in in in, in one inning, and we had like a fourteen-two lead, and then and still almost blew it again. Like I think it was it fourteen ten ended up. I think. That was the Duval. The that was the Duval multi-homer, right? Where I was outside on the grass and in the garden, <laughs> if I recall, with another bomb went. I, I know yeah, the just, game you're on about. It was a Sunday. Yeah. It was a Sunday game. No, just lots of runs, which obviously we, we 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 didn't have many of them of them this season. You know, you know, you know where we scored double figures. So yeah, I, I think in terms of, I mean, the, I mean, the, there wasn't many positive moments you know, on on the season, but. But that one was a you know, you know a good one, so so like the the like you know eleven run one inning against the Cubs it, it was I think that was a good know, one yeah I remember it the, I remember now the other game I had it was the Alfaro walk off um, against the Giants oh, yeah. early in the year and I stayed up and watched it live I had the rum going and the <laughs> game finished and I've never ever seen Marlins Twitter like it ever it was like. Marlon's Twitter was just going bananas. There was uh, Alex Contreras had films going up where, you know, the band was pumping. He was on fire. It was, you know, the hope was there. It was early on in the year. We were battling back. Yeah, I I remember the fans, the fans leaving the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember? It was a Saturday night. Always played well on Saturday nights. That seemed to be the night where we turned it on. Saturday night baseball. That was the Marlins. Any other day, we were terrible, particularly Sundays. So. Yeah, I like the Cubs shout though that that you know real blow up of the Cubs and probably signal to the Cubs it's time to blow it up as well. Like it was maybe like a, a sliding doors moment for them guys. So I think that's interesting. Sean, where are you sitting on the uh, game of the year, buddy, or moment of the year? So <laughs> I kind of would just, just mention Coop quickly. <laughs> just because I don't want the last mention of him this year being you absolutely taking him out for his defence prowess. <laughs> there was a moment during the season where he was literally the hottest hitter on the planet. Mm. You know, he had a, the highest WRC plus in the league over, it was a substantial period of time as well. It wasn't just a couple of days. Um, so I just want to shout out to him. Um, you know, mm. I'm just hoping that, you know, next year we have a DH, he comes back and my 30, 100, 100 season I might have even thrown 300 as well, mightn't I? Oh my as, far as, as far as uh, things like... Track territory, year. I think, at one point. Yeah, I was pretty high on him. Um, so this is the, Just the game you're talking about, sorry, I believe is the Mets walk-off in City Connects where he gave it the loose hoops going round to walk it off, right? That's the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it was just absolutely crazy to see him. You know, I, I knew he was playing well. I dived into the numbers. I was like, oh, no, he's actually hitting better than, you know, guys like Soto. And mm. and um, it was just, yeah, crazy. But moment of the year, genuinely, was Eddie. Eddie's start, you know, we spoke about it. Obviously. Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> yeah. Well well done for your, your second Olympic medal, by the way, Eddie. No, um, Eddie Cabrera. You know, absolutely, that that start was was fantastic. Yeah, it wasn't you know wasn't exactly continued onwards after that. He had a st- couple of struggles, but I think we we spoke about it immediately afterwards. And I I said something along the lines of it reminded me of when I first saw Jose Fernandez, and um, 
you know, he was he was fantastic. And I think that really gives us some hope for next year. Um, and I think that's that's what we all need right now. Yeah, no doubt. It, it was funny, that one, because it, that debut and that call-up like came a week earlier than we maybe expected, where it kind of, they just dropped it in. The Marlins went, like Kenny was kind of saying earlier, they just dropped some news like randomly for no reason about a player and they'd option someone somewhere. And he got the call and we were like, great. I was down with COVID that week. So I was kind of just laid up and just basically on Twitter 24-7. I had nowhere to go um, and watch that game. And there was a lot of buzz. The disappointing thing for me of that, you know, buzz for us watching on telly from the UK and I guess everyone watching on telly and on Twitter, but the Lone Depot was empty. Like really it was empty. And that's the real disappointing thing where your number one prospect comes up to make his debut to start and no fucker turns up. Like for me, that's a real bad sign. I know the team isn't great at that moment, but still it's a real bad sign. I think for the future of this, this team in general, like they need to really sort that out. You, you say it's a bad sign, but I remember at that time when you were talking about it being really piss poor, and it was. And I remember thinking, I remember Jose Fernandez started to move that needle. There's only ever been two players. It was him and it was Don Trell. They're the only guys that ever, you'd, you'd have 8,000, 8,000, 8,000, 20,000. You're like, ah, oh, Jose pitched that day. Yeah. That's how it works in Miami. If you're good, they're going to turn up. Um, so I actually looked, I went back and I went to see how many people were there for the Jose start and his rookie, his rookie um, game. And he was fantastic in that game. Um, there was, yeah, single digit thousand people there. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the thing. If Eddie becomes, you know, a phenom, then yeah, you will see the, the 20,000 people there. I don't think that the Eddie um, attendance is the issue. I think it's that Sandy's not moving the needle. Mm. That's the biggest trouble that the Marlins have got right now. Sandy is legitimate ace. You know, he's starting to get national publicity. But the I think you spoke about it, Pete, a couple of weeks ago, saying, you know, is he to Grom-like? And my answer to that is yes. Mm. But he pitches for the Marlins. Yeah. So no one will ever see that. To Grom, you know, yeah, the Mets aren't a great team either. But it's New York. So everyone, so everyone gets it pounded into them um, with the national media. Sandy's biggest problem is that he pitches for the Marlins. Yep, fair enough. Well, that's um, a good little segue. And I like the, the Cabrera shout as well, because I, I love that moment too. Rob, what have you got on the locker for us for um, moment or game of the year? I'm really struggling with this one. I do like the, the Jazz home runoff de Grom, just because it, it was, especially at that time of the season, there was a couple of games. There was that walk-off, the Alfaro walk-off against the Giants. And Jazz had an incredible game. Actually, uh, Marte was really good. There was those, those, those glimpses early. I think that Giants game was one of the first games they had, they had fans in as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of, there, suddenly the atmosphere was starting to get back and there was a lot of promise. So the Brinson home runs, I loved them. There was that, also that one where he got the go-ahead um, against the Phillies in, in, in early September. I really liked we were wearing the City Connect jerseys as well. Um, so it's, it's uh, to be honest with you, I'm really struggling to, to pick a moment. But um, I am, sorry to segue again, but to go back to what Sean was saying, I think one of the reasons why the crowd isn't there, and you are right about, you know, Fernandez used to move the needle and, and Domtrell Willis, etc. Now I went to, uh, I, I was having uh, um, uh, on Twitter, there was talking about Jamie Moyer 
and uh, that uh, that game that I went to where Stanton hit a grand slam um, off him. And I remember that day when that grand slam happened, there must have been as well over 20,000 in there. And the noise was incredible. Really was. It was it was uh, three and two, two outs and Stanton hit it and broke the scoreboard. Uh, I was at that game. Incredible! Uh, it was that, that was that raw? Was... One of my favorite Marlins games ever, and I've been to a lot of Marlins games. That was insane! Wow! And that, that was that's my first game I went to. It was incredible, and that, you know you get hooked on that because it was such a great atmosphere. I remember going out of the the stadium and everyone was bipping their horns and you know on the cars, and there was there was just everyone was just loving it. It, it was fantastic. And that season, I know it was the new stadium and, and that had drawn in a lot of fans. But I, there was a bit of excitement uh, about with the team as well because of who they brought in. And I think I sometimes go back to that when I think about the team now and it's not fun to watch. There are too many games where we're not... The bats are just so, so quiet. Mm. It's just not fun. And it's not fun for me watching it in my on my sofa in the UK. No. I, I, even if I was over there, would I be going out to every game? I'd be thinking, maybe not, because, uh, you know, it doesn't matter really what Sandy does. He ain't going to get backed up. You know, what did, what did uh, I, I, I'll have to look it up again, but, but Sandy ended up with more losses than, 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 than wins. And that's for, for his pitching performance. That is just incredible. Um, 15 and nine from yeah, memory. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. You're not going to turn up, are you? And that, that's what they need to really address if they want to get the fan. Yes, we all know Miami have fickle audiences. We all know that baseball is having struggle, is really struggling, apart from a couple of areas uh, of bringing the attendances in. The Rockies seem to be, you know, well away, no matter how awful they are. They, they seem to fill it. And there's other, other, other teams that, that just have that really solid fan base, the Giants, etc. And I know they're brilliant this year, but even in the years, they haven't been good. Um, but it's uh, we, we've got to do something to drum up the interest like we had with the new stadium, with Fernandez, etc. I think it's a, it's a really interesting point. I think, Rob, and a, a kind of a wider topic probably to get into where it's just like, is baseball as a game, is it fun to watch? Like the, the kind of defensive shifts and like just the lack of runs and all this type of stuff, it all kind of factors in where sometimes you kind of watch it and go, I'm just a bit bored. You know, too often you have that feeling like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening in this game. This is boring. Like, and I know I've seen this like the announcement, I think yesterday where they're talking about implementing various rule changes, various things to try, you know, they're talking about effectively banning shifts, um, trying to get the umpire in the balls and strikes. Right. For me, that's one of the biggest problems. Like there's just the strike zone is just too erratic and too poor. Like, I think if you actually get that right and pitchers have to really pitch to the hitters, then I think that will really help. But, you know, it's clearly, I think, just a wider topic. And I think it's, it's a really great point. Takes what, What's your take on this one, buddy? Because, listen, you've uh, been to a lot of ball games, many more games than we have. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I've lived in Miami my entire life. And, and Miami's a weird place, right? Because I'm a diehard Dolphins fan, diehard Heat fan. Diehard Marlins fan. And 
Miami is a place where I, I, I like I said, I, I grew up. And I, when I say grew up, I mean from the age of four till now, I've been diehard all these sports. And there weren't many kids like me that were like that, right? Because mm-hmm. in Miami, it's so much other stuff to do. So you need to like earn the attention of the people. Like you need to be more entertaining than the clubs than the restaurants than the bars to get people to your games. And like, like, like what Sean said was, was very true. Like Jose Fernandez moved the needle, but he had a little help. Right. Cause at that time, what was the saying for the Marlins fans We're two pitchers away. Jose Fernandez was one of those pitchers. It was like, wow, wait, Jose Fernandez is a really good pitcher surrounded by a really good offense in Stanton and Yelich. So I, I went to several Jose Fernandez starts. I remember going to the start when he first came back from injury and he hit a home run and then did a bat flip and Brian McCann trying to beat the shit out of him. And I, I, and it was just every game was just shocking to watch him pitch because every game we were also putting up seven, eight runs while he was out here just shutting teams down with Sandy. It's the opposite. Sandy's pitching these eight inning games and he's shutting teams down, but the offense is just not helping him. So you're just watching. It's almost like a, you're watching torture. You're, you're watching Sandy Alcantara get tortured by his piece of shit team. And, and he's just going out there and l- pitching his arm off just to not have help. So it, it, it's, that's why like people don't want to see it. Like people don't, I don't want to go to a game to see that. I love Sandy and I love the Marlins and I, and my, like, I, I always go to a couple games a year, but what is it that the league has been trying to push, right? What every, after every ga- day of games, what does the league post on Twitter? It's a three-minute compilation of all the home runs. It's the team is driven by the, the league is driven by offense, and it's no different here in Miami. They want to see a team that's going to win. They're going to and look, the Marlins had a good offense for years, but no pitching, and the, the attendance was still poor. That just goes to show you need everything. You need to win games, and you need to do it in an entertaining fashion, because that is what's going to look. Even the Heat, the Heat. Uh, this isn't a basketball podcast, but they they saw attendance numbers kind of dip a little. Because they were a really good team, but they weren't the big three with LeBron and all the uh, putting up a shit ton of points. You need to be entertaining and you need to win games. Yeah. That month that Robert was talking about where, where Stanton hit the, the, the grand slam off the, the scoreboard. That was one of my, my, like in recent memory, one of my favorite months as a Martins fan. Because I think that year they won 21 games. They were in the thick of the playoff race very early in the season, of course. But they were doing it with an entertaining roster. The pitching was was great. Offense was fantastic that month, and and it, it, it I remember racing home after work to see the final innings of games. I remember a, a Mother's Day racing home and seeing Stanton hit a walk off home run, and it was just that is entertaining baseball. That's going to bring fans to your stadium, and that is what's going to work down here in Miami. Idiots like me, we don't exist that much in Miami. Guys like Chicago fans, it's you, Cubs suck. Cubs are good. They're going to games. Yeah, because that's what there is to do. You, it, it's a fun place to watch a game, even if they suck. Miami doesn't have that, and that's not going to happen. People aren't just going to get brainwashed and flip a switch and say, "Let me go support this team." Thirty games under five hundred, rather than going to the beach or going to the club or going doing whatever the hell else I can be doing. You yeah. know, and, and and that's just the way it works here in Miami. Get a good team, and I promise you, we're, we're not going to be the Yankees. We're not going to sell out every game. But you will see an increase. You will see more games with fifteen to twenty thousand people. A loud stadium, a fun place to watch a game. So that's that's what they have to do. As far as the original point, moment of the year, Jazz home run off the Grom. Considering the circumstances, the game before, Clown Forto leaning in over the plate, the walk off hit by pitch, that scumbag. Oh my God, I hate him with all my heart. Uh, 
and then game of the year. He's a free agent as well, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this because I know every a lot of people been floating around Conforto to the Marlins as like an idea, and I I don't know how I'll switch my narrative from hating no him to, to loving him. But uh, and then game of the year, it, it, it's there. There were a couple games, you know, De La Cruz walk off single that happened uh, a month ago, and again, it makes it it's always sweeter when it's against the Mets, and they were they were trying still lingering in that zone of trying to sneak into a playoff spot and just crushing them. But the Giants game, the, the walk-off double, Alfaro, it was a week after the, the Jazz home run against the Mets, and it's where things started to turn around for the team because, you know, mm-hmm. they had won three of four against the Braves. who I, I hate the Braves. Mm-hmm. Fun point, I went to two games this year. Opening day, which I've never missed an opening day as long as I've been able to go to games. And two, the game Acuna got injured. And I, I after that, like, I had to really pipe down on Twitter about my Acuna hate because it's – I was like, this sucks that I'm one of the loudest guys about hating Acuna. And the one game I go to other than opening day a year and he gets hurt while I'm here, I was just like, you know, maybe maybe I should tone it down a bit. But yeah, those were those were my picks for that. And that's what I think about, like the, the fandom in Miami with the getting people to games. Yeah, it's great insight. And this is the you know the reality is none of us, you know, I guess are in the area, go to games regularly. And it's hard for us to kind of really put our finger on it from, from afar. You're like, why, why do people go? Yeah. Uh, you, you just got to put yourself in, in that position. Like even when you guys watch it, look, I, 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 I might as well live in the UK because I barely went to games this year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause I didn't want to just like, it's, it's, it's no different. Sometimes if think of yourself when you're sitting on your couch and you're watching this team, not score runs and you're watching like any, unless it's Sandy or Trevor and you're watching a shitty bullpen and you're there thinking like, man, I'm not having fun watching this. What makes me think I'd be having fun watching this at the stadium? <laughs> like, it's, it's not much better. It really isn't. No. All right. Well, the, the poll came back on this one and uh, it was close, actually. There, this was a pretty close one because uh, you know, there were some good moments for sure. But Jazz, the Jazz home run takes it, actually. 43% actually for Jazz. The, the Alfaro walk-off, 27 for insanity, multi home runs was twenty percent. Um, Jesus Sanchez double upper with the Bapo got ten percent. Um, there was a few percent in there for game one six two as well. <laughs> <laughs> the pain is over. Um, so yeah, you know, few few different ways you could go um, on that one. Um, let's let's kind of then segue it in. You mentioned uh, Jazz inside the park home run. So let's kind of go into that because this one, that moment is on this list. So let's kind of get into this list. Um, I think it's you to lead this one off, Sean, if I recall, to get this gong going. And this is controversy of the year. So, I mean, there are fuckloads, an absolute ton of controversies and problems. The ones I listed, and I forgot some, but I listed... The Mate <laughs> rap video, Jazz Inside the Park Home Run, um, Media Storm, because they posted a video of Jazz Inside the Park Home Run, but Acuna just happened to have died in the outfield at the same time. Um, the Monte bust up with, uh, with Mate, that we're not quite sure exactly what happened, but we haven't seen Monte since. And I also put the Campbell PED situation I actually forgot to put Dinger on the list because that actually was a controversy, albeit <laughs> <laughs> one that was uh, proved to be a fallacy in the end. So, Sean, there's probably others I've forgotten. Um, you know, h- how do you go about this one, controversy of the year? I'm, I'm going completely off script here. 
Um, and realistically, I think the number one controversy should really be in that list that you mentioned. But when I was thinking about it earlier today, I I couldn't help but think about all the drama that was being spoke about with Sixto to begin the year. Mm. There was so much, you know, out public outcry of what's going on. No one knew what was happening. Is he injured? Is, is he just fat? Is he being lazy? What's going on? No one knew what happened during that period of time. As it happens, it ended up that he was injured or eventually it came out that he was injured and, and the season was, was gone. But I just remember being in it at the beginning of the season going, what on earth's going on? Why aren't the team just coming out and saying, look, the guy's hurt, he's done for the year, let's move on. If they just left the 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 guy the reporters the fans in the dark no one knew what was going on um and i don't think we'll ever actually know what was going on and for me it was just such a head scratching period of time yeah i think he's still throwing up 57 feet at the moment um from from you know the updates the weekly updates the daily updates were six though throwing off a mound 70 feet then he'd be back six though throwing off a mound 45 feet or whatever it was, it was a weird sequence, wasn't it? You're right. I forgot to mention, you know, he was maybe on my busts list as well. Like going into the year, like you know, massive hype. Clearly, he got hurt, and you know, but there was all this controversy. He came late. These are issues coming. Came late. Got started late. Is he overweight? Don't know. Then we see him for a bit. Then we don't. Then he's thrown off a mound in random spurts, and then he's gone. Something doesn't smell right with this. I think you're right to call it out, Sean, but I don't think we know the full story on this one. And maybe we will in the future. I know Craig will be digging into it. I know Craig at the time, he was like, something doesn't smell right with this one, but I'm not around the team enough now because there was no media face-to-face that he could kind of dig into it. So good good shout, though. Um, Rob, what about you on controversy? Uh, yeah, I, just, just, a, just a, a, a quick point off the end of that. I, I think in spring training... They were saying that he looked, you know, Sixto looked big. So that I, whether he'd done any conditioning over the, the winter, I don't know. Uh, so that may have been sort of part of the problem. So I think that's a really good shout. And um, the Conforto leaning into, you know, that, that leaning in walk off, because um, that's just cheating. I, I just <laughs> yeah. draw the line and they're just cheating. And, uh, you know, it, it, that was unanimous. Uh, it doesn't matter what sort of sports commentator it was they all said that you know how bad that was so um i think that goes to my controversy of the year um yeah you can think of it of another way we've got some other controversies that happened all the way through the year like the fact that we got 10 more pickoffs than any other team in mlb we had 10 more passed balls than any other team in mlb there's some controversies for you um but yeah uh, it's conforto yeah, it's a, it's a great one. I think that one is one that sticks in my mind. It sticks in a lot of, of fans' minds, not just for the season, but for the future too. And I think it's a perfect time to get into takes and see what he's got for this one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking at the, the list you put out, and, and, and it's a controversy of the year. I'm not going to go with what I think was the biggest controversy. You know me, I, I love to like entertain and, and, and make people laugh and stuff. So I'm going to go with the most entertaining controversy of the year. I wasn't. I, I do a bad job when I'm at games of being on Twitter because I'm just so like enjoying the game and being at the stadium. So the jazz inside the park home run, I, I didn't until I got home 
I didn't know what was going on. Like, I, I really didn't even know it was a controversy. Like, I, I all I did, I opened my phone for one second when Acuna got hurt, and I just tweeted, I, I think I said, like, oh, damn, or, like, oh, shit, or something. And I just got Braves fans telling me, like, you're a fucking scumbag. Why are you celebrating this? And I was like, I'm just hanging out at the game. But uh, for me, it's it's the Marte rat rocket race. Like, it's it's because it, I, I, it, I don't even – you see me bumbling across my words. I don't know even know what the hell happened, how it ended up becoming about like me working at Chuck E. Cheese from one moment to the next, because it started off with this picture of a rat on a rocket. And, and look, it's, it's one of those things where I, I kind of tweeted about it. Uh, Jeremy Taché also like brought it up how there is cultural differences between like Marte, again, who was born and raised in the Dominican Republic and what they see as normal to what someone born in America or even you guys in the UK, what, what, what's normal to us. It's different. It's different that there things like that are normal in the Dominican Republic and certain parts of, of South America. Uh, but I, all I did was, was tweet about me working at Chuck E. Cheese. And that's why I have a hatred of rats. And next thing you know, Craig Mish is saying this is the new story of the night. And then it just blows up. All of a sudden, I got people tweeting me pictures of Chuck E. Cheese a snorting crack and naked in a, in a junkyard. And I'm like, is this you? Is this you? And and it, it just became about... So to me, that was the most entertaining... One of the most entertaining nights by far of Twitter for me in, in my two years of being takes for made on Twitter was that. Like, that was just... I don't know what... I, I woke up the next day and I was like, did that really happen? Like, was everyone tweeting about me just working at Chuck E. Cheese? So it, for me, it's that one. It's absolutely legendary. And it happened. It happened overnight for us UK wise. It was a, it was a, an evening game, or it dropped overnight. So I woke up, and uh, as you know, or maybe you don't, but I, I I basically have notifications fully off on Twitter until I've caught up on the game because I, I don't yeah. want to spoil the game. And it yeah. was early in the year, and so we were still in the mix or whatever, and so that was important. So I watched the full game, whatever game it was, turned Twitter on. And it was a zoo. It was the funniest zoo I've ever seen in my life. It's it's one of my favorite things about Twitter because whenever there's a really shitty game at night, I always every like if there's a couple of us that send out tweets, it's like, man, it's gonna suck when Peter wakes up and sees all this. Yeah. And then also the the, the UK friendly games, it seemed like every one of them was like a stinker for the most part. Really but enough. that night that that happened, that I woke up at around like noon the next day. I just got a bunch of notifications and it was you liking all the tweets, catching up on everything that had happened. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, it was like watching you live read everything. It was, it, it was just like, Oh my God, what did Peter wake up to? Oh, it was stunning. <laughs> it was st the DMS were fully flooded as well. People going, Oh my God, wait till you see this. This is absolutely, <laughs> it was just a sensational, just a chain of events. Cause it isn't just, you got a rat strapped to a firework in the Dominican, is it Marte? Is it is it him yeah, doing? It? It you know, that was the first question. No, it's not Marte doing it. He's just retweeted. Oh, okay, cool. Then it's like, why is takes? Why is takes here in a Chuck E. Cheese outfit snorting crack off a whore's ass? And I was like, what's happened here? I think at one point in the night, like three hours later, I just tweeted. I was like, I have no idea how this happened. Like it was, all of a sudden, everyone forgot about the rat, and it was just turned into a roast session of me. <laughs> Stunning. The, the Marte video. Fair enough. Um, I knew you'd go with that one. I'm glad you did. Lee Dobbs, yeah. what have you got for uh, controversy? Yeah, I, I think I'll go with Rob on the, you know, yeah, yeah, the, the Conforto, you know, walk off, you know, the, the the hit by pitch. That I mean, everyone said it was so bad. You know, yeah, Mets fans, you know, on Twitter, just you know, 
you know, the, the whole of baseball said it, you know, it, 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 it was wrong, that the arms messed it up completely. And so, yeah, I mean, it's that one that, you know, fell up for me. Yeah, very rarely do you get all of Twitter on one side yeah, to agree exactly. on one thing. <laughs> and when you, so that's when you know it was like, like very, yeah. very rarely do people come together to agree up. on something. <laughs> so that was, uh, that's how you know it was a bad call. It absolutely was. Goes back to the point you made earlier, just like the umpiring is probably yeah. at the heart of what is wrong with baseball, like the biggest single thing. If they solved it, it yeah. would improve. But bloody hell, I mean, looking through this list, you know, it's it's crazy the amount of shit the Marlins got themselves into. You know, the, the replays. You know, you know as well. You know, you know in general. Oh, I know. I mean, I mean they've been terrible all year. Shocking. Yeah. Agreed. The 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 Marte Rocket did win this at forty three percent of the vote. Uh, Jazz inside the park home run twenty eight percent. You're right. Braves Twitter was going bananas. You know, they wanted everyone fired. Everyone wanted people fired from the Marlins social media crew. Um, I, I don't actually believe it is uh, a, a direct employee. I don't even know. Um, but, I, you know, either way, they wanted people fired because they tweeted this because Acuna was injured. It was just chaos. Um, Monte Harrison and, and, and his dust-up was uh, 22%. Still don't know what happened. I'd love to know how far it went. But, you know, mm. we've not seen Monte since and Marte was traded. Um, Paul Campbell, PEDs. Maybe it's not the biggest controversy of the year. I was I was recording a podcast live with Alex Carver exactly when that news dropped, and both of us stopped the pod. I mean, it was still recording, but we just stopped speaking for about a minute and a half to digest the fact that Paul Campbell had been busted for a beat. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a refund or whatever the hell he was making. Yeah. How, bad, how bad would it have been being without him? It was sensational. I mean, I, uh, it's just a crazy, crazy story. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, he came out and said, listen, I, I, I don't know what's happened. And, you know, fair enough. And he's, again, the, the, the biggest shocking thing for me is um, he's still with the Marlins. I thought, okay, that's his career. Back, yeah. <laughs> See you later, Paul Campbell. He wasn't that great anyway, you know, return him yeah. back. But he, he stayed. <laughs> he stayed. So, you know, crazy one. Dinger, I didn't put on the poll. I forgot to. But and at the time, that was a huge controversy as well. But, you know, luckily that was cleared up and it wasn't what um, what it was. So there you yeah. go. Um, I missed Conforto off the list as well. So I missed a few. Is there any others I've missed? What? A... I mean, the biggest controversy was them putting out like a, a shit team on the field. So, yeah, I mean, I, was... I mean, overall, that was one of my bigger controversies. Four pen games every day. Yeah. <laughs> The whole season was one big controversy. Yeah, it really, it really was. I mean, the other thing I've got in my mind is, you know, Mag Sierra on that ice bucket. There's, there's some real problems with that. The technique is flawed. The, the soaking yourself with it. I mean, it's, it's, it's. It, it, I, I mean, at this point, it has to be a bit. It, it's like David versus Goliath, Muhammad Ali, and Sonny Liston, and then Magnair Sierra versus the ice bucket. Because it's like the guy just can't do it. I, I've never seen anyone. It, I think it was two or three times. And one of the times I took a screenshot from a video and you just see this little man carrying uh, like a 50 gallon. I, I was like, that's just not going to work. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. And surely enough, it just opens all over him. And, and I, at, the, at that point, I was like, it's just adorable. Like he, he can't really do much on the field. So I, at least he's providing someone with like laughs. I loved it. Max, least- so Max is, in, is an incredible guy because he's like his exit velocity is like about 10 mile an hour lower than anybody else in MLB. It's really, <laughs> really low. He's tiny, but his arm is phenomenal. He has a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he recorded one of the fastest like throws home <laughs> like of the Marlins this year from the outfield. And then when he when he hits a ball, it's it's like a fart. It's just it's incredible. Weird. He's just he's incredibly fast, has a has a good arm, and everything else is just he's just yeah, yep. it's, just, it's just incredibly low. It's it's a strange player. I'm intrigued. I like it. What happens with Mags? Like uh, you got to feel that he'll be optioned or I guess, you know, we'll wait and see, but it's interesting to see whether he ends up just going down to AAA and going, you know what, I'll, I'll just wait there. Why not? I mean, because the injuries do kick in. So I'm intrigued to see where Mags, uh, kind of where his career goes next. So yeah. Um, conscious of time, guys, I, I don't think we're going to do, there's a few others that we had, but I think let's, let's wrap up the actual award ceremony. We've handed out tons of gongs already. Let's wrap it up, not with a Marlins MVP, because I think we've already talked about him. Horsecock for me is the MVP. It's yeah. it, it'll be a no doubter there. So let's talk. Let's talk M, uh, MVP on a broader scale. I like to get your takes on this. See where we land on the NL, the AL MVP. We know is locked. So that is what it is. Let's go round the horn on NL MVP this year. Um, is it round to? It's round to Rob, I think. So you know, Rob, you've you've got your pick of these guys, the favourites. Um, as per, I guess, MLB marketing uh, propaganda, let's say, is, I guess, Bryce, Tatis. Um, there's probably someone I'm missing there, but there's a couple of favorites there at the top. Oh, Soto, sorry. So you've got Soto, Bryce, and Tatis are being pumped. None of them have made the playoffs, obviously. Where, do, where would you go if you were having a vote on the NL MVP? It's interesting when you talk about um, Bryce, because um, I think if it wasn't for for him, I do believe that the Phillies were would have been nowhere near. Mm. He's the guy who really, really, I don't know how to, how to put it, just carried that team. And there was there was I think it was in August, and I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but his stats were absolutely phenomenal at a time where the Phillies were still being the Phillies with their dodgy bullpen. Uh, and and everything so i think i'm probably gonna go uh i know it sounds like a uh you know pretty pretty standard selection but probably with with uh, with harper i'm just looking to see what his actual stats actually ended up being he ended up the 309 average were 101 runs 84 rbis and 35 home runs and 44 at bats and ops just over one yeah that's 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 pretty phenomenal Good on a, a very odd team Agreed. Odd team. Um, good year for Bryce. No doubt about it. Um, takes where are you sitting on this MVP uh, shenanigans? I've uh, I've always been someone skeptical of Bryce Harper in my life. Like I, I I'm I'm one of those people like that mm. that always uh was. I guess you can call me a hater, but <laughs> I, and that's coming from someone because also I'm I'm a huge my my two of like my favorite players in the league are Castellanos and Juan Soto. So I've always loved, loved, loved Juan Soto. He finished the year out super strong. Mm. Um, I, I I agree. I I th- I think it's Bryce Harper. I think it's Bryce Harper, and uh, it's. I'm always interested in how they select MVPs when it's not like a playoff team yeah. that's he's involved in. Like you saw Stanton do it, obviously with the Marlins, but Stanton was like yeah. otherworldly. Like he was right. almost hitting 60 home runs and. And, I, and I'm looking at like wins above replacement here. I'm looking at WRC plus and, and like Trey Turner is, is another really good choice who I, I, I didn't even realize what a great season he's having. 
but I'm gonna go with Bryce Harper. And, and that's, that's big of me because I've always been a hater of his, but Bryce Harper had a fantastic year winning runs created plus 170, a 6.6 wins above replacement, an OPS over a thousand, like his, he, and, and Robert's a hundred percent right without him, they are not sniffing the, the, the playoffs or even getting close to where they were now. Cause Alec Baum had a, a a letdown of a year for them. They were expecting a lot from him. Reese Hoskins showed flashes and then was on and off and on and off. But he, without him, they are not close to to where they got. So I I, I think Bryce Harper, with all the slander he gets, and, and I, look, I'm part of it. I I I really think he he put together a fantastic year. And the Phillies are letting him down. Like it, it sucks that that this is happening. Yeah, because he is one of the most entertaining players in the league. Agreed. I think that's a fair shout. And I'm pretty sure he had a back, uh, like this lingering back issue for like months towards like the mid part of the year. So, you know, he really kind of kicked on later on as well and carried the team. Um, so that's probably why he had back issues as well, I guess. But anyway, uh, Lee Dobbs, where do you sit on this NL MVP, buddy? Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough one because like I said, of all the favourites, none of them, you know, you know have, have made the postseason. Mm. Which brings Trey, you know, Trey Turner, you know, into it. You know, obviously he he won the average. He's stolen bases. So, by as saying, you know, would the Dodgers have, have, have been there, been there without him? Probably as well. But obviously, no. You know, you have to stats, you know, stack team. So, yeah. So then you lean towards Harper or Tatis for me. Mm. I think I'd actually go Tatis Junior. Just I mean he. He hit more home runs, start stole more. Obviously, he missed he missed some he missed some you know you know some time with injuries. Obviously, he's he's more exciting as well as well to watch. You know, I, I know that that doesn't you know, matter, but mm. you know, yeah, for me to watch him is more exciting. So I mean, it's a close you know it's a close race, but I think I'd just give it to Tatis. Yeah. Okay. So we've got two Bryce, one Tatis, Sean Barrett. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, conversation because obviously mm. we have old baseball heads talking about you can't be the MVP if you don't make the playoffs. Mm. But I think that's asinine, to be yeah. honest. I think it, in basketball, it's different. You've got five men on the field at the time. One player can drag a team up. In baseball, we're talking 25-man rosters. Realistically, you've got, you've got to focus in on like 40 players. But one player, you put the best player on you know, the Marlins, it isn't going to make much difference in the end of the day. I think Harper's had a fantastic season. Um, and yeah, he's his WRC plus is, is the highest out there. But I'm going to follow Lee's uh, trend and not actually go for Tatis, but go for a player that Kenny mentioned and go for Trey Turner. Trey Turner put up some fantastic numbers and the numbers that he put up are so very similar to, to Harper uh, and, to, and um, to the other outfielder that I'm thinking of, Soto, but he plays at shortstop. And to me, that has a value. You know, as, as a Marlins fan, where you're used to your catcher, your shortstop and your centre fielder, you know, all being light-hitting guys with a bit of defensive prowess, or at least that's all we can ever afford. Like, to have a shortstop putting up Similar numbers to, to, to outfielders is is a fantastic asset. And as Lee said, you know, 
the Dodgers probably make the playoffs without Trey Turner. But Trey Turner is uh, your favourite stat, the leader in NL war. Um, so uh, to, to me, that's where that's where I hang my hat. Okay. Two Harpers, one Tatis, one Trey. Um, I guess I'm going to throw my vote in there because, and I asked this question because I've been pondering it for some time the past couple of weeks because there's a lot of hyperbole around it. It was always like Tatis, Harper, then Soto came hot. In September, well, he kind of went hot because he was getting on base like every every at bat. Because well, there's no need to pitch to Soto at that point, right? You, you just you don't have to. You just walk the dude. So, but everyone was getting all hot. And I thought, listen, you can't have one Soto just walking every plate appearance and becoming MVP because of a September. I'm just not having that. I'm not having that hyperbole around that. For me, the MVP. This is where I've landed on it. Brandon Crawford. That's my dude. Because the Giants, the Giants are the MVP this year. And Brandon Crawford is their MVP, in my opinion, for what he's done. So I'm kind of sitting a little bit in that camp of, you know, the team doing what they're doing and Brandon Crawford being a big part of that is where I've kind of sat on it. The reality is all these dudes are absolutely phenomenal. But I kind of struggle with... I, like like takes made when it's a when it's a standing year on a shit team, but you do something that is like in a different stratosphere. Yeah. I'm okay with that, and, and clearly I'm a Marlins fan, so of course I was okay with that. But I don't think these dudes are doing things that are like completely out of the stratosphere, like on shit teams. So I'm kind of leaning more back to the Giants for me are the MVPs um, and have come out of nowhere. And for me, Brandon Crawford's been sensational. So I also thought about Trey Turner too. He was probably second on my list, but um, that's where I sit. Um, that leaves us with Bryce Harper as the winner though. <laughs> so uh, take that as you will. Um, right, let's finish up the one final point, guys, and then I'll let everyone get out of town, get takes off to work as well, and us, um, us to bed. The one final question is, you have one wish, whether you see it as something that is realistic or not, I don't care. I'll put it out to you guys. We go into the off-season. What is the one wish you have for the Marlins this off-season and going into 22? I think it is round to you, Kenny. You get the honor here. So we're back full around the horn here. So perfect. It's on to you, buddy. Okay. Oh, man. This is uh -huh. where I can get creative, right? Yeah. Because I uh... – <laughs> God knows this offense was a, 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 a huge turd throughout the year, but um, if, if you do you want me to answer like my ideal off season, like who they bring in, like multiple people, or do you want just one name? Well, you can take it as you want. You I mean you're the special guest, so you know. uh, all right. Um, number one, right? Because obviously the the whole talk is trading for a center fielder ever since Craig brought it up like three months ago at the deadline which obviously ended up being revealed that they were trying to look for Brandon Marsh. I, I want a more MLB ready MLB proven mm. because Marsh is MLB ready and he, he has produced as well, but I want proven. And the guy that stands out to me the most, and I mean, look in, in the NL, if you're talking about MVP candidates, he might get a vote. I don't, I don't know. Brian Reynolds from mm. the pirates. He finished the year with a nine twelve OPS one of the highest in the National League, only behind Votto, Castellanos, Tatis, Soto, and Harper. And that's a great company to be in when you're talking about a guy that you would be – and I, a, a pairing of Reynolds and Stallings, 
I think that the Marlins, I, I, I get that they, they do want to overturn the catcher position, but I do like what I saw from Fortes. And I think he could get a shot to be a backup catcher for this team. Yeah, there's like some defensive struggle who would pass balls and stuff like that. If he can work on that, because you do want your backup catcher to be great defensively. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh trade for Brian Reynolds. Include Stallings in that trade. Mm-hmm. Sign Mark Canna as a free agent. Use him as a super utility because he can play infield, he can play corner outfield positions. Heat De La Cruz is the fourth outfielder. Or look, you can even put a little competition together. Let Canna and De La Cruz compete for that corner outfield spot. Uh, with Brian Reynolds and Jesus Sanchez, I wouldn't even put it past them to bring in a, another really good outfielder. I, I brought I brought up like a, someone like Avisail Garcia from the Brewers, but he has a a team option I think, and they, and he's going to be opting into that deal. Uh, catcher, I said Stallings. Everyone knows what the pipe dream is. Everyone knows the name we've been bringing up for like a year now. If you get me Wilson Contreras, I will. I'll get a Marlins tattoo on my chest. If you get me, <laughs> if you get me Brian Reynolds and you get me Wilson Contreras on this team to start the year, Marlins tattoo. Look right here where this logo is. I will get a tattoo on my chest for this team because I, I think that immediately pushes us into at least a playoff team with the, with the, with the amount of pitching we have. And then I've, I've done research on who's free agent in terms of closers like that, but uh, I'll, I'll put this out there. Just anyone, but Anthony Bass as the closer next year. <laughs> and I think we're a significantly better team. Uh, the other name I, I I'm really interested in for center fielder because Brian Reynolds fits into the pirates plans of what they're doing now. He's still young enough and has more years of control and he fits into what they're doing with Cabrian Hayes. I don't know about Stallings as much because Stallings is a little older, but uh, the Pirates are up and coming. They do have several young prospects that, that look promising. If you can't do that, the one that always baffles me that he's still there and that a team that, that they just keep getting worse every year and he just keeps getting better is Cattell Marte. I, Cattell Marte is also one, like he's a, a really, really underrated hitter in this league because he's stuck on one of the worst teams in the history of baseball, but I would love to tell Marte overall. I mean, we've regurgitated this on Twitter for months now, bring me a center fielder, bring me a catcher. Those are like the main priorities, build a good bullpen, a really good bullpen and bring in depth, bring in it, it, like Craig has said, there's no problem. You can never have too many good players. You you can't I, like, I get it. I want De La Cruz to be, I, I love him. And I think he, yeah, he's going to make the team. But there's no problem with bringing in really good hitters to compete with one another and 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 picking the best of those really good hitters. That's what the good teams do. You don't just get nine good hitters. You get 20 and you sort it out from there. Yeah. So no half measures. Anyone that can hit, bring them in. And 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 please, for the love of God, just end my sadness. And I want to make us do this, this whole thing that they've been preaching to sustain success. I want to see it because uh, God knows I'll be much happier if they can give me that. Because God knows I can't quit Marlins baseball. <laughs> no way. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the call in now. There's going to be a tattoo artist going to be heavy <laughs> artwork for you. The question is, is what kind? You know, you're going to go players weekend jerseys all white. Oh God, yo. Oh, no, 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 no. oh God, no, look, I'll, 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 if I'm getting a tattoo of the Marlins, I want it to at least look good. I'll, yeah. I'll do a, like a throwback logo Marlins tattoo. 
Maybe not on my chest, maybe somewhere else. But I, if they do that, I'll, I'll, I'll live up to it. I'll get a Marlins tattoo. Sure. Fuck it. Yeah. But this is on record, by the way. So, uh, you know, this, this, wait, this... you're recording. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> we're, we're in serious trouble here. <laughs> Lee Dobbs. What have we got? What have you got for us, buddy? Oh, uh, you know, also, you know, you know, as Kenny, you know, you know, Kenny said, said we we want we want some we want some new bats. So I'll go in like a different direction and it's more health. You know, you know, I want to see a full season from Pablo. I think he's been been injured, you know, every season so far. You know, you know, 2018, I think he made 10 starts. 2019, it was 20. I, I think we saw him. We saw him fully fully healthy in 20. Yeah, but 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 obviously short season. He was the and only then, one. I think he yeah. was the only dude that pitched through yeah. uh, in in 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then then obviously this year he, he made was it 20 starts again. I think if if we could just see 30 starts starts from him, you know, you know, you know, yeah, that that would, you know, yeah, like yeah, like is my wish. And and I think similar with a, a BA, you know, you know, another one. Who seems to be be you know on the IL, mm. you know at least once a season, and Cooper Cooper as well, you know you know a full season from him, you know you know as Sean said you know earlier you know it's thirty home runs you know you know, you know he's there, so yeah. so 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 for me for me for me my one my one wish is is healthy Marlins. They've made the first step to it. They fired everyone. Yeah. Associated with, uh, with all that responsibility. <laughs> they're all gone. We're all expecting whoever's responsible for base running will be gone this week as well. Um, there'll be some, well, someone who's responsible for, for hitting should be gone as well. I mean, it should be a, a real turnover. I'd imagine the catching coach as well. He'll be gone, whoever that is. Like It could be a bloodbath. But anyway, good. I mean, Lee, I think it's a really good point. We talked about it earlier in the year, everyone was onto it. The injuries, it was just the sheer amount of injuries that happened all at once, really. I think that just yeah. really was like the three-man rotation. We spoke about it. Yeah, It was just yeah. unsustainable. Like, it, uh, we talked about these arms for days, but the problem was we ran out of days and we had no arms. It was yeah. just... Yeah. It, it kind of just all went wrong, right? Because they, they, they tried to bring in a veteran with uh, Gio Gonzalez before the year started, and yeah. that just obviously flopped completely and then there, there was no really i mean honestly god bless zach thompson's soul for being able to do what he did because this season would have been an even bigger disaster if we didn't have him to eat up those innings and yeah and not just eat up innings is almost sounds like an insult because he thrived in those positions so it, it, it just i don't know what the hell happened we were having such a good time for a month <laughs> there and it just went to shit <laughs> really really did sean what's your wish for the offseason mate one wish um, realistic or not? <laughs> realistic or not? Um, you know, we could speak about wanting. You know, we we know we need somebody in the centre field. We need. We know we need a new catcher. We know we need bullpen help. And we could all say, you know, fixing all those holes. I, I genuinely believe is is a realistic expectation with the a money that we've got and b the prospect. You know ammunition that we have for that I genuinely feel like we could get an average to above average centre fielder catcher and a couple of bullpen arms in a 
40 to 60 million dollar contract uh, salary cap um, and with the guys that we've got but I don't want to talk about that too much we could talk about you know watching Sandy become you know the all-star again you know 200 innings 200 strikeouts Robert mentioned that earlier actually and when um, Sandy got to 200 innings I did a quick look to go back when did that last happen for the Marlins and it was 2013 um, with Mark Burley. But then I didn't go so far as to go 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And so I, st- I started scrambling while we were recording. It hasn't happened since 2000 with Ryan Dempster. Oh. That's, that's how unique that season's been. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about the team and my hopes for next year. I want to talk about myself. Next year, opening day. Oh, baby. Miami Park. I can't see it not happening. It has to happen. Oh, boy. Huge stake in the ground. I already know Dan, the man Healy, will be there. His flights (laughs) are booked. I'm pretty sure on Sunday, after we had had 58 beers, I was on BritishAirways.com as well. Unconfirmed if the uh, if they accepted a PayPal payment via a retina scan, but probably they couldn't see my eyes. <laughs> I love that one, Sean. Though I mean, what an aspirate for us as UK fans! Like that is it's a big aspiration just to get out there and you know just see the team we love. So great call, buddy. Rob Newell, take us away, buddy. Just little tweaks, as I say. 10 more pass balls than any other team. <laughs> 10 more pickoffs than any other team. Take those away, things start to get a bit better. The fact that we actually don't steal that many bases, considering we must have one of the most athletic, you know, rosters out there, that needs to be sorted out. Our base running is horrendous. Um, so um, those little bits and pieces will help. I thought we were supposed to be in this uh, that that kind of short ball team, weren't we? Yeah. And and you you see it with Jazz and and you know with John Bertie in the past and, and things like that. But even John Bertie was struggling to to steal bases, even though he's still like what the second fastest player in MLB. So there there is there is some them real communication issues that they need to sort out, and we're just way too easy. So sort those little problems out. I, it, I, my, I, I, the wish list to the outfields. I, I hear Brian Reynolds, etc. I think we'll end up with someone like Tommy Pham. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> I mean, I made, I made the joke. I made the joke earlier, like two weeks ago, when uh, the Royals extended Michael Taylor, and I said, "There goes our primary target." Like, because that, that's like that fit the bill the most. I, I, I always go unrealistic with my expectations, but you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm not going to go anything more that. Where I'm going, my wish list is actually with the minors. You know, I like watching the minor leagues, and um, uh, I'd like to see Peyton Burdick, Griffin Conine in Jacksonville, and showing that their stats that they put, especially Griffin Conine, which he just seemed to it was it was got mad in the end. It was like every twelve at bats he was hitting a home run. 
um, it was just insane that, that they can actually carry that through into Jacksonville. And we'll actually see, we know, we, we always say about arms for days and there's like been, you know, uh, Yuri Perez, and Jake Eder, and there's been, although he's gone, uh, Tommy John, but there is, a, there's some, you know, there's been, there's some great stories in there, but it's with the bats and, um, you know, give JJ Bladey a bit more time and get uh, uh, Giraffe fit again. Um, there's, you know, there's, there could be some real, real good solutions out there, like we saw with Jesus Sanchez. So my wish is a, a really good start for for some of these uh, these prospects that we've been sort of nurturing through, and to show that again we can produce reliable and exciting hitting through our minor leagues. Oh, it's necessary, right? The the hitting development has just it's been underwhelming seriously underwhelming and it's not a speciality of mine at all in terms of following the dudes but just the vibe I get is it's just been subpar and um, if we're to be successful in the future something needs to change um, with some of those dudes and we need to get back on the right path there on, on the hitting side and work out how we can develop that side of of the ball club wait and see because I mean I, looking back I mean another big moment from the year this Khalil Watson pick I, I absolutely loved it at the time I was pumped about it didn't know anything about him but I bought in the fact that they made the deal, got it done 16th pick. You get a top dude, um, you know, but you kind of worried though. He enters the system and you're thinking, Oh shit, what happens now? <laughs> so my, my biggest wish for the year, I, there, there's tons of them. I'm, I'm throwing out all sorts of names, offensive upgrades, left, right, and center. I don't think I fully have one single wish. I think that's probably unrealistic. We need so many pieces, um, but I threw it out there the other day. my, my kind of, I guess, ideal uh, off-season period. Stallings, Reynolds combo, I think, as takes, as mentioned. So get into the Pirates and make a deal with them. Get those two dudes in. Stallings isn't part of the, the future anyway, and Reynolds is the expensive piece. We know that. Um, and then it's Jose Ramirez. Can you get a deal done there with those with those Guardians? They're, they're in the perfect spot to, to try and sell. Two years of control. Can you get a deal done there? I, you know, a difference-making dude, that's what I'd like to see. Um, can they make it? I'm not convinced, but we'll wait and see. Free agency, pay one dude some bucks. Whoever it is, go out there and get a certified dude, pay him some dough. If it's Castellano, so be it. But pay a dude. According to everything they've said, they, they have the money to do it. They, they have the money. A lot of money coming off the books, the new, the new TV deal. You know, I got maybe they were hesitant to spend coming off a of COVID year. Numbers were inflated or, or, or you can't really garner much from a 60 game season, obviously. I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't want to I'm not going to completely just blindlessly like buy into it. But you're right. Like they they have the money and all the reports that have come out. And I'm talking about like some like Miami Herald writers who have been like skeptical of everything the Marlins have done. Like Barry Jackson, someone who's a very realistic like journalist when he covers this team. Mm -hmm. And he even said, he's like, I was around the stadium. I was speaking to people and based off everything they said, I, I believe that they are going to spend money to try and make this team better. Yeah. I, I'll believe it when I see it, mm -hmm. but I mean, all early signs, God knows the early signs, you know, they, they, they say we're, we're going to be improving this team. So I, I, I really hope so. I really, really hope so. Me too. Pitching's there. Window opens now. Offense needs to be there to support it. The, the, the problem I've got is Marte was great last year too. Duvall was great in parts. He was he was great at what he does, and, and it still wasn't enough. So there needs to be 
dudes like that plus another two or three and then everyone stays healthy and then you've got it but it's just there needs to be depth there needs to be just more and more dudes you can't have Devin Marrero knocking up and down left right and center oh my god you know it just can't be done so boys that is us at a time awards night is officially closed gongs have been handed out (laughs) left right and center I I mean rounds of applause for everyone round of applause for the mark no, round of applause for everyone. Um, what a 2021 it's been. Um, you know, there's a it's just a recap on who we've had here. Who have we had? We've had biggest surprise. Anthony Bender, I think, took it in the end. Uh, Twitter personality of the year. We didn't get into that, but Craig Mish took it by a landslide. Uh, moment of the year, actually looking back on it. Craig Mish on takes were made. Spaces was actually the moment of the year. 60% of the vote for that one. What a moment. I wasn't on it because it was a through the night extravaganza, but... Um, I know a lot of people spoke fondly of that. Controversy of the year, I think the Rat Rocket, um, coupled with uh, the Conforto Elbow. Um, we also had Biggest Bust of the Year, Bassman. Uh, trade of the Year, Yimmy and DLC or Mate Lozado. Uh, base Runner of the Year, we didn't get into that, but I mean, there probably wasn't a gong to give out for that one. <laughs> um, Arm of the Year, Sandy, MVP, Sandy. MVP for the NL. We've ended up with a, a consensus, no, not a consensus, but Bryce has taken it two to one to one to one. Um, and uh, our off-season wishes are all out there. So, boys, whew, that covers it. That covers us for this episode, and it probably covers us on Fish Across the Pond for at least the next, I would say, two weeks, unless anything dramatic happens. And then, of course, we'll be ready to rock and roll like we always are. So, right, To my UK goats, I want to thank you boys for your dedication, commitment, quality of coverage all year. It has been sensational. That is Lee Dobbs, Sean Barrett, Rob Newell, Dan the Man Healy when he's been involved as well. Thank you to the UK goats. It has been sensational. And our special guest, debutant today, takes were made, Kenny in the house. What? What an episode. He told me, don't go two hours. I've got to go to work. I've gone two hours. (laughs) Well, we two hours twenty or something. <laughs> it's not a big deal at all. It's not a big deal at all, really. And 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 before we we end it, I just want to say thank you, obviously, for having me on, and thank everyone here. And Peter, everything you do, really, it, it it's the, the the whole Twitter personality thing of the year. Everyone is saying that you should have been on it, and you should have. Like you were one of the most entertaining people on Twitter during a very shitty year of Marlins baseball, and you never failed to not put a smile on my face with your crazy fucking videos. Or, or, or your recaps or running out in your backyard, screaming at the top of your lungs when Duval would hit a piss missile, all this stuff. And everything you guys do here, it's, it's really, really, really good. It's quality stuff. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's, it's everything you want when you're, when you're consuming any type of media when it comes to sports. So congrats to you guys for such a successful year. Thankful. Thank you for having me. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Honestly, really, 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 really great work you guys do. I'm, 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 really like proud of you guys you guys do great great work love it thank you for the kind words uh, to finish off no no better way to finish i'd say um let's um let's send this off season well let's go into the off season Marte style let's get on some rockets see what we can do. <laughs> that is episode 111 in the books the uk goats and takes were made signing off we'll be back in the next couple of weeks stay tuned but in the meantime enjoy this episode and we'll be back soon 